Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.03 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is the 25th of January, 2023. This is episode 662 of Bitcoin and Bill Gates just invested in a startup that's trying to stop cows from burping and farting so much. Yeah, that's the headline. Now, honest to God, word for word, that's the headline, burping and farting. And it's a headline from Business Insider. Ah, the professionalism. See, you should leave that kind of jokester, unprofessional kind of thing to me and a whole other crop of podcasters and whatnot. You know, from Business Insider, I I would expect um, belching and flatulence. Burping and farting is playing to, uh, what do we call it? the vulgar people and vote by vulgar. We mean common here. That's sort of what vulgar actually means. <clears throat> it doesn't mean just using vote. You know, when people say you're, you're being vulgar, what they're saying is you're being a commoner, right? I kind of expected a little bit more out of business insider, but let's just see what kind of stupidity Hugh Ling Tan the author of this piece, has in store for us. What does a billionaire philanthropist and a climate tech firm and fewer cow burps have in common? Just ask Bill Gates, whose investment firm Breakthrough Energy Ventures, or BEV, led a $12 million seed funding round into an Australian climate tech firm working to reduce methane emissions like those from cows. Ruminate. R-U-M-I-N and the number eight. Oh, it's so leet. I can't stand it. A Perth-based startup said Monday it had closed a phase two seed funding round, bringing its total funding to 25 million Australian dollars or 17.7 million USD. The company is developing a seaweed-based feed that would cut methane, a byproduct of the food digestion process from livestock emissions. Ruminate plans to use the $12 million for activities like commercial trials and developing a pilot manufacturing plant. You see where I'm going with this, right? Methane is the most common greenhouse gas after carbon dioxide. It's also 25 times more potent than carbon dioxide in trapping heat in the atmosphere, according to the United States Environmental Protection Agency. As livestock accounts for about 15% of global greenhouse gas emissions, there are now global efforts to farm such animals more sustainably. Yeah, not like we've done for the past, what, 100 million years or so? Yeah, yeah, screw nature. She has no clue what she's doing, right? Quote, the demand for sustainable protein has never been more apparent. 
which is why BEV or BEV is keenly, keenly interested in reducing methane emissions from beef and dairy, Carmichael Roberts, a business lead at BEV's investment committee, said in a press release. Just last week, Gates appeared upbeat about sustainable meat in a Reddit Ask Me Anything session. Quote, there are companies making beef in new ways and people working to still use cows but reduce the methane emissions, Gates wrote in a thread. Quote, I think eventually these products will be very good, even though their share is small today, he added. And Gates's BEV isn't the only one looking at cutting methane emissions from livestock. Last week, French food giant Danone pledged to slash methane emissions from its milk-supplying farms by about one-third by the end of this decade. New Zealand, a major beef producer, is also proposing to tax the burps from livestock starting in 2025. Oh boy, that's not a hell of a way to start the day, huh? I'm just going to drink some coffee here. Hold on. Let me give you a little bit of, hold on. Well, oh yeah, yeah. Here we'll, we'll give you this one. How apropos, right? These little people are just, they're insidious. Right. So let's talk about this. The, I just, I've got to do this one because yeah, ranching is something that I just have fallen in love with because not because I want to hang around a bunch of cows. It's because what those cows can do for soil and, and I carbon sequestration. Now I'm going to say that, but I want to sequester carbon for different reasons than an environmental hysterical junkie. It's because the more carbon I can put into the soil, the more water I can hold, the more diversity of microbiology will be present, the more nutrient cycling will happen, and it just builds on itself and builds on itself to where one acre that used to be able to only support one cow for a 24-hour period before you have to move that cow off and let it recover, in a year, you might be able to put two. But in two years after that, you might be able to put four. It depends on where you're at, what, you know, whether your climate is brittle or really wet, what the soil type is to begin with. Sure, lots, there's lots of things that, that it depends. It, it just depends. But in general, uh, in aggregate, on average, I guess is what we're trying to say, if you do it right, these animals are net carbon negative. So when, when the climate hysteresist is losing their freaking ever-loving mind about cow burps and shit, you should know that they've got it all wrong and that the only way to repair the damage that has been done to agricultural lands across the world is to use these animals the way that they were intended to be used. And that's a whole shit ton of them in a mob stomping on crap and then moving on. Now, wolves used to do that for us, but ranchers can't do that because wolves eat into their... It's razor-thin profits as it is. You lose five cows on a herd to a pack of wolves, even though that they are moving those herds for you, you've lost all your profit. And you're net, and you could go net negative, and that's not sustainable, 
right? You've got to be able to feed your family. You've got to be able to do all the stuff that you need to do. But with lightweight fencing, with other kinds of things, and the fact that maybe people should get out and, I don't know, take a walk, you know, i.e. put up the fences every single day, you're essentially, you're taking a walk. These, these fences are not, they're like step-in posts and they're really lightweight and they're, it's, it's nothing, nothing. I mean, a guy can carry, you know, enough fencing on, on his shoulder with the pegs to fence in, you know, 50, 50 cattle and then move them the next day. It's not hard. It's not hard, but these animals end up being carbon net negative. And the more carbon they put in the soil, the more carrying capacity that land has. So what do these guys want to do? They want to go farm seaweed and then burn fuel to get that seaweed to a plant that they build, like a manufacturing plant or a processing plant, which again, in turn, shit ton of fossil fuel is going to be burnt there in the manufacturing of all this stuff. And then you've got to dry it out, which takes heat. And unless they're going to go into Bitcoin mining or gasification or something like that, uh, they're going to have to supply that heat with, get you guessed it, fossil fuels before they can even really process it. Because if they process seaweed wet, it's going to mold. It just is, unless they want to spray it down with all manner of antibiotics, which is another story completely. That may, They may do that, and that's not good. But be that as it may, we'll leave it alone. And then they process it into what? Pellets, put it into bags, all this shit burns fuel. And then they're going to put those bags onto a truck and they're going to ship that truck inland or they're going to drive the truck inland to what? A dairy farm and what? Completely replace the feed? Cows, as far as I know, eat grass. What they don't do is they don't graze on seaweed. I'm not saying that seaweed isn't good for them, but this sounds to me like it's a complete replacement. Seaweed actually is, in fact, very good for cattle. As a supplement, I, you know, that's what they're not saying in the story. Is, is it a 100% feed replacement or is it just a supplement? I don't know. But this hysteria, it's got to end at one point or another or I, I was about to say we're all going to die, but no, that's that's not actually true. We'll, we'll all go crazy having to deal with these people day in and day out. They're just unrelenting. Don't believe anything Bill Gates says. He has no interest in farming whatsoever. Just because that idiot bought all the, you know, a whole shit ton of farmland doesn't mean that he's interested in farming. I've said it once. I'll say it again. I don't think he is. He's got way too much invested in fake meat. That's a would be a direct competitor, right? He doesn't want actual living cows. He just sees he. I don't know what he sees. I don't know what profit you need to make when you're that rich. I mean, unless it's just a sociopathic thing. I mean, I have no problem against billionaires, but I just wonder about people that just can, can't do anything else but make shit tons of money at the at horrendous cost to the environment, to other people to the world at large. I don't get it. I can only I can only assume at this point that these people are truly 100% psychopathic or sociopathic, either way. Let's get on to it though. I've got other fish to fry as usual. 
I got Arizona. Arizona Senator is introducing a bill to make Bitcoin legal tender in the state. BTC Casey, BTC, uh, BTC, whoa, Bitcoin Magazine, sorry. State Senator Wendy Rogers from Arizona has introduced a set of bills aimed at making Bitcoin legal tender in Arizona and allowing state agencies to accept Bitcoin. The proposed legislation aims to recognize Bitcoin as a legal form of currency in Arizona, allowing it to be used to pay for debts, taxes, and other financial obligations. This would mean that all transactions that are currently done in United States dollars could potentially be done with Bitcoin, and individuals and businesses would have the option to use Bitcoin as they see fit. Specifically mentioning Bitcoin alone, the legal tender bill defines Bitcoin as, quote, the decentralized peer-to-peer digital currency in which a record of transactions is maintained on the Bitcoin blockchain and new units of currency are generated by the computational solution of mathematical problems and that operates independently of a central bank. She forgot to mention that the subsidy will uh, end in 2041 at one point. The acceptance bill is more broad, saying that, quote, a state agency may enter into an agreement with a cryptocurrency issuer to provide a method to accept cryptocurrency as a payment method of fines, civil penalties, and other penalties, rent, rates, taxes, fees, charges, revenue, financial obligations, and special assignments to pay any amount due to that agency or this state, end quote. This is the second time that Senator Rogers has introduced a bill aimed at making Bitcoin legal tender in her state. She introduced the same amendment back in January of 2022, which died on the second reading. Although it may appear there are slim chances of the bill passing this time, El Salvador's adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender has proven to be a boon for growth and investment in the country. Recent actions in states like Texas, New Hampshire, Missouri, Mississippi, all indicate increasing United States state interest in Bitcoin and its benefits. As Bitcoin adoption strengthens, the likelihood of such bills passing will only increase. Yeah, and this will probably die in reading as well, but at least she's at least she hasn't given up. I'll give her that. Um I don't know how much tourism would actually increase in a United States state. I get the feeling that most Bitcoiners are more interested in going down to El Salvador or Costa Rica, which is where Nostrica is going to be. And if you don't know, Jack from, you know, Jack Dorsey of Twitter fame has already organized <coughs> a conference down in, I uh, can't remember the, the name of the city, uh, in Costa Rica for the first Noster conference or Nostracon, I suppose. They're calling it Nostrica because it's, you know, actually I think it's pronounced Nostrica, but because it's in Costa Rica. In either event, already 440 or 450, 60 people have already signed up to either go or view it online. And it appears that somewhere around 48% of the people that have signed up for it are actually physically going to go to the conference in Costa Rica. So those are, that's a pretty good number. But I, I just don't see Arizona getting a boon of tourism because, you know, the state accepts Bitcoin. I don't see it. So I, I, I if that's what she's thinking, and I don't know if she is, uh, nah, it's just not going to work. 
it's just I just don't think it's going to work. But mentioning Texas in that article, we come to this one, which is a bit late, a, sort of a day late and a dollar short. But it's not too long ago, January 20th of 2023. So that was, you know, five days ago. Texas A&M Today, which is sort of the, you know, the student newspaper kind of thing for Texas A&M. Yeah, they've got this one. New class explores technical and economic foundations of Bitcoin. They don't say cryptocurrency. Thank God. This has been, been written by Leslie Hinton. Uh, a new course offered at Texas A&M University this semester is, quote, the Bitcoin protocol, end quote, in which students learn about the technical and economic foundation of the much-talked-about cryptocurrency. The first of its kind at Texas A&M, the class is open to accounting and computer science students and is being taught by Mays Business School Associate Professor of Accounting and founder of the Mays Innovation Research Center, Dr. Karak Ray. Quote, Bitcoin is an interdisciplinary project, and I was pleased to see the Mays Business School and the College of Engineering adopt an interdisciplinary mindset in approving this class, Ray said. Why focus on Bitcoin? Although there are other blockchain classes offered at Texas A&M in computer science and computer engineering, Ray's course is the first to focus specifically on Bitcoin. God damn, talk about a day late and a dollar short, dude. The class will cover all aspects of Bitcoin, such as the underlying technology, the game theory, the macroeconomics, and the application of cryptography. Ray, whose research interests are accounting, game theory, and tech, said that the class is primarily for undergraduates to provide hands-on experience with Bitcoin. Quote, the students will learn to code portions of the Bitcoin protocol from scratch, which is in itself a great learning experience, he said. So what are the benefits? Learning about this emerging economy will open opportunities for students, Ray said. Quote, the Bitcoin economy is booming, especially in Texas. This class can prepare students for the growing Bitcoin mining industry, much of it in Texas. On top of this, Austin is becoming a hub for Bitcoin developers, end quote. From an academic standpoint as well, much can be gained, Ray said. Quote, first, Bitcoin is a novel way of storing and transferring value that has vast implications for finance and economics. Bitcoin builds on decades of science and is itself a comprehensive learning tool across multiple disciplines. And Bitcoin is a zero-to-one radical innovation that emerged outside of the traditional corridors of power and influence and is therefore a deeply inspiring story of human achievement, end quote. Cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin have both proponents and doubters, as any sweep of social media or cable news channels will reveal. One thing everyone seems to agree on is the current state of affairs, a so-called crypto winter, meaning the market is performing poorly. He chose poorly. The highly publicized FTX fiasco arguably added flame to the fire. Arguably? I don't think so, dude. It definitely did. Quote. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, quote, the current crypto winner will prove the difference between a decentralized protocol like Bitcoin and a centralized company like FTX that is subject to fraud and abuse, Ray predicts. Quote, I am confident that Bitcoin will emerge out of these ashes, but don't trust me on that. Verify for yourself, end quote. 
Ray said faculty in both maze and engineering are to be credited with the creation of the Bitcoin class, namely Scott Schaefer of the Department of Computer Science and Nate Sharp of the Department of Accounting. Quote, leadership like this is vital to exposing students to the frontiers of new innovation, which happens precisely in between existing academic disciplines, Ray said. This dude sounds like a, a, a Bitcoiner. He definitely gets most of it, and he gets most of it correct. Now, I've never talked to the man. I don't know him. But let's see if we can dig into his past a little bit by looking at his Vita. And if you don't know, in academic circles, this is essentially his academic resume. And it says basically his, it shows us his academic life, but it's in the form of a resume. So this is for Karak Ray. Uh, he was assistant professor of accounting at the University of Chicago. He was a senior economist Council of Economic Advisors, Executive Office of the President in Washington, D.C., Assistant Professor of Accounting at Georgetown McDonough School of Business. He was then Assistant Professor of Accounting at the George Washington School of Business. He was the founder and director of the Mays Innovation Research Center at Texas A&M Business, uh, Mays Business School and is an Associate Professor of Accounting with tenure, which means he now has tenure. And that process is a bit of a bitch. And I know there's a lot of people that say, oh, tenure sucks. It's destroying everything. Yeah, that's fine. You can go ahead and believe that. And you may be correct, but the process of getting tenure sort of means that your whole faculty on your tenure council all agree that you're a value and you should stay. Okay. Now he got his mathematics degree from University of Chicago he got his PhD in economics at Stanford School of Business. Holy shit. I mean, this is not this is not some some dude who walked off the street. The guy's got creds. All right? I mean, say what you want about academia. I have my problems with it as well. But I also have the have the notion that well, when I'm looking at a at a uh, curriculum vitae, which is another way of saying vita, uh uh, this guy's impressive. And I've been in academics and been in that world long enough to know when I see somebody who's not fucking around. This guy's, and he's not it. He's not it. Some of his pu publications are like selling immigration visas, team incentives under private contracting, smart cities, dumb infrastructure, optimal performance targets, Effects of Accounting Conservatism on Investment Efficiency and Innovation, Online Outsourcing and the Future of Work. <coughs> He's a heavy hitter. This is bullish. He's, he understands Bitcoin. The class has named not cryptocurrency, but the fundamentals of Bitcoin or whatever it was called. It's being guided in an interdisciplinary way between accounting, business, and computer science, which is three of the fundamental factors when we get into the interdisciplinary nature of what Bitcoin is, there's more to it, clearly. If you've been here for any length of time, you know that. But he, it's targeting the it's targeting targeting the very closest things to the epicenter of what Bitcoin is. So I'm really bullish on this. I hope somebody down in Austin might get a hold of this dude because I don't like giving phone interviews. That's why I haven't been giving phone, uh, it, uh, doing interviews lately. I don't like it. 
I can't see their face. And even if I'm doing it over something like Zoom, it's just, it doesn't feel right. I don't get excited like I can when I'm sitting in the room with somebody else talking about this stuff, which is, that's why I haven't done interviews in a long time because I don't like doing it that way. So, and I'm 1500 miles, well, actually I'm 17, 1800 miles away from this dude. Probably I'm not, I don't have the money to get on a plane and fly out there. But if I did, I'd already be on a plane flying down to Austin. I'd be doing that shit right now to go talk to this dude. Now, Blockstream, it raises $125 million for Bitcoin mining expansion. Dude, Bitcoin Magazine, BTC Casey. Blockstream has announced that they've raised $125 million in convertible note and secured loan financing with the aim of expanding their institutional Bitcoin mining services. The raise was led by Kingsway Capital along with other investors, including Fulgar Ventures or Fulgar, F-U-L-G-U-R. They've been around the space for a while. They sponsored uh, Bitblock Boom back in the day when I went. According to the announcement, Blockstream will use the capital raise to expand their Bitcoin mining facilities in order to meet the strong demand for its institutional hosting services, which they claim remains high due to the company's strong track record and substantial scale, coupled with an industry-wide shortage of available power capacity. This raise follows Blockstream's August 2021 raise of $210 million, which valued the company at $3.2 billion. I hope they're not getting too big for their britches. That's all I'm saying. The company utilized this previous round to build several mining facilities with the capacity for institutional hosting customers, along with the strengthening of Blockstream's vertical integration for ASIC manufacturing. Quote, this fundraise allows us to accelerate the year-over-year revenue growth we created with our 2021 Series B and continue to build infrastructure for the future of the Bitcoin economy. Eric Svensson, Blockstream president and CFO, commented, Further commenting, we remain focused on reducing risk for institutional Bitcoin miners and enabling uh, enterprise users to build high value use cases in the most secure, robust, and scalable blockchain in the world, which is Bitcoin, end quote. Blockstream CEO, Dr. Adam Back stated that, quote, with 2022 being punctuated by multiple large scale centralized party and protocol failures, we believe this has been a learning experience for the market that the fundamental value of blockchains is in reducing the need to trust third parties, end quote. Blockstream is one of the world's largest Bitcoin mining operators, according to the release, with more than 500 megawatts in its development pipeline. Holy shit. Blockstream is also a market leader in layer two Bitcoin technologies like Core Lightning and, of course, the ever-present but hardly used Liquid Network. And that's not me digging in on Blockstream. But the fact of the matter is, is that I don't know a single person that uses the Liquid Network. <laughs> I just don't. I mean, it's, I'm not lying to you. I just, I simply do not know of anybody that, uh, that uses it. I certainly have never used it, but you know, let's see if I've got any boostograms here. I do have boostograms. Holy shit. Okay. Well, I don't have a whole lot, but, uh, it's always good to get boostograms. It means that I'm not dead somewhere out there. I'm fogging a mirror. And this is from show uh, episode 661 yesterday. Uh, Van Man Jr. with 20,000 Satoshis says, boosting you up the list. 
Bubba with 10,000 sats says, wouldn't proof of, oh man, I hate it when you misspell shit. Wouldn't proof of whist president says be nice. Wouldn't proof of work president says be nice. Sorry, Bubba. I just can't decipher it, buddy. Love you just the same though. Uh, Fatoshi, 7,779 sats. Halfway through your shows, I always think, man, I need to boost that. And then I forget. <laughs> Love the show. <laughs> That's okay, buddy. It's okay. I'm the same way in some other shows. A thousand sats from Solo Balbo. Uh, lightning and that, I don't know what this emoji is. It's like a half, you know, one of the, like smiley face with a a thing coming out of the the left-hand side of it. If somebody knows what the hell that is. Could you please tell me? Because I'm, I'm, maybe I'm just too old. I don't know. Vake, a thousand Satoshi says, another Bitcoin pod to add to my queue. Thank you, Vake. I appreciate that. I hope I give you some value. Uh, I really do because I don't like the thought of wasting your time. Nick underscore dose, 469 sat says, cheers. I appreciate your work. And then, uh, oh, Nick comes back and replying to that same one says, also, I don't hear any low hum. Okay. Um, it it appears that the person that told me about the hum is saying that it's not intermittent, that it is all the time. That person is using high definition headphones, which I don't have. Um, and that may be what, you know, where this is coming from. If I can't hear it, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get rid of it. Because I, the thing about it is, is I need to be able to work a parametric uh, equalizer and hear the uh, the frequencies at which this hum occurs. Because I'm looking, I'm looking at my. Actually, let me bring it back up right now. Uh, my parametric equalizer. I'm being silent so that I can see if there's any spikes in the uh, frequency range. And there may be one just around 40 hertz, somewhere around there. I don't know. When I shut up, it just, okay. I think that's what it is, is that when I shut up, my gate kicks in and it kills all the signal from the mic. But while I'm talking here, I am definitely seeing a spike around 30 to 40 hertz. Um, I'll try to get rid of that. I'm not sure exactly how, or I mean, I know how, um, but it may not be until next show. And and I very well may forget. So don't, don't, don't kill me for it. Okay. Now UK, UK Bitcoin community reacts to incoming CBDC and digital pound rollout. By the way, I want to thank all of you that boosted me for show 661. Without you guys, I don't mean much. And I mean that 100%. Joseph Hall, Cointelegraph, the UK government's economic and finance ministry, His Majesty's Treasury, is recruiting for a head of central bank digital currency to lead the development of a digital pound yeah, you can go pound digital sand, dude. The work is described as important, complex, and cross-cutting and will require extensive engagement across and beyond His Majesty's Treasury. That's right. It's His Majesty's Treasury now and not hers. Why? Because the Queen died. I mean, 
it is what it is. According to the LinkedIn post, the Treasury and the Bank of England are working together through the CBDC task force to explore the case for a digital pound. The role of the head of CBDC may bring the United Kingdom's government closer to its aim of rolling out, said CBDC. Danny Scott, CEO of UK-based Bitcoin company Coin Corner, told Cointelegraph that a CBDC would be missing the actual real-world use and purpose, which is what we often see. Yeah, they know what the real-world purpose is, and they don't want to have any of it, Danny. That's why. Quote, for those that have been in the industry for, you know, a cycle or two, we've seen the hypes come and go. Altcoins, blockchain, distributed ledgers, ICOs, DeFi, NFTs. You see large companies come along and jump on the latest hype, to avoid looking like they're falling behind. It falls under R&D and exploratory for most, which is perfectly understandable, end quote. Scott, who has been working and building in the Bitcoin space for over a decade, explained that sometimes the public could misinterpret the research and development projects in the crypto space and perhaps confuse them with useful real-world solutions. Quote, a CBDC or digital pound doesn't fall far from this. Many countries around the world are exploring this and trying to understand the benefits of this over the current system. Fair enough, this will happen, end quote. Indeed, the move toward a digital pound matches the trend among central banks worldwide to explore the potential of CBDCs. In Europe, the European Central Bank has been actively studying the future of a digital euro, and several countries, including Sweden and Denmark, are also exploring their own digital currencies. CBDCs claim to offer a number of benefits, including improved financial inclusion, reduced costs for businesses and consumers, and increased security and efficiency in the payment systems. However, El Salvador banked as much as 70% of its unbanked population with the introduction of Bitcoin as legal tender. While countries such as Nigeria, Ghana, and Kenya can now receive money from around the world to a mobile phone or a Bitcoin exchange point. Moreover, there are potential risks to in introducing a new digital currency. James Dewar, partner at UK Bitcoin merchant solution Bridge to Bitcoin, and a director at Laser Eyes Cards, told Cointelegraph that the introduction of a CBDC would itself present different challenges and risks than Bitcoin. As the CBDC requires, quote, trust in third parties, central banks and governments to not abuse the supply of the currency, end quote. Quote, this risk applies at the macro level as it does today, but more worryingly with a CBDC on the ability for a government or its agencies to monitor and censor individual spending. This is a huge risk for the rights of freedom and property ownership within our societies, end quote. He raises the question, quote, whilst we may trust one government or another, do we as citizens trust all future governments of whatever color with this power? Tony Yates, a former senior advisor to the Bank of England, has spoken out against CBDCs. Resonating Dewar's thoughts, he questioned the motivations behind the global rollouts of CBDCs, calling them suspect. Dewar continued, quote, it is reasonable that government explore the idea properly. Overall, we worry that there may be political pressure brought to the process that ignores or significantly downplays the risks to a society of a CBDC. 
the digital aspect of money is also brought into question. The UK is increasingly a digital cash-based society. Less than 15% of payments are made with physical cash, according to the Bank of England, and as many as 23 million people, about one-third of the UK population, did not use cash at all in 2021. Scott asks of the Treasury, quote, don't we already have a digital pound? Quote, from an end-consumer perspective, the pound is mostly digital these days, regardless of the mechanism used. So, once they have finished their exploratory stages, I would love to see a list of the benefits and new features of a CBDC will bring to the public, end quote. In the meantime, Scott will continue to focus on Bitcoin and making global interoperable systems everyone can participate in. Dewar shared that there could be hope for Bitcoin and the UK government. Quote, the role description notes that the emergence of private sector money, such as Bitcoin, offers exciting opportunities for UK businesses and consumers, and we would very much agree with that at Bridge to Bitcoin, end quote. The Bank of England CBDC, by design, will be available to Brits, although no official timeline is set. Okay, so yet another CBDC story. I get it. You're probably tired of hearing about it, but if we stop talking about it, guess what? We forget about it. And what's the best trick the devil ever played on humanity? That's right. To make you believe he doesn't exist. That's why I bring you the news. Hopefully every day. Uh, last one before the break. Swiss Bitcoin app Relay now allows companies to buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin Magazine. Again, BTC Casey. God dang, dude. Regulated Swiss. Non-custodial Bitcoin app Relay. Or Relay. I... R-E-L-A-I, I'm going with Relay, has announced the launch of Relay Business, a new OTC service aimed at business clients. According to the release sent to Bitcoin Magazine, Relay Business will allow small to medium-sized businesses to purchase Bitcoin within one day. The service is Relay's second OTC solution, with the first, Relay Private, being aimed at high net worth individuals, allowing for transactions greater than 100,000 CHF euro pair. And I'm just a moron, so I, I know that that's a, a currency pair, whatever. I, you tell me what it is. Quote, it's a huge market that we are entering. There are 25 million SMEs in Europe and a growing number of them are led by Bitcoiners. In the next 10 years, millions of businesses will want to allocate billions into Bitcoin and we're going to make it super easy for them to do so, commented Julian Lindiger, CEO and co-founder at Relay. Real, the Relay app recently received a complete overhaul, including a simpler buy flow and enhanced user experience. The company also added support for Visa, MasterCard, and Apple Pay, increasing the options for users to purchase Bitcoin. According to the press release, the Swiss company recently reported record numbers, both in terms of active users and trading volume. Relay allows users to retain as much control over their money as possible. The app provides non-custodial wallets, which lets users retain control over their own keys and therefore full sovereignty over their Bitcoin. However, it should be noted that the most secure way to store Bitcoin is always in cold storage using a dedicated hardware device. Let's run the numbers. 
Let's start with some of that Earl money. West Texas Intermediate is up a half a point to $80.58 a barrel. Brent North Sea up scant. Well, okay, a fifth of a point to $86.29. And natural gas doing its stupid ass thing. 4.3% to the downside, bringing it to a crushing price of $3.11. At $3.11 a thousand cubic feet, you know what doesn't really happen? A whole lot of exploration. That's right. You know, we, we, we've emptied our strategic uh, oil reserves. And yeah, I, I, I get it. It's not that natural gas itself drives exploration, but when your already existing production is getting you $10 per thousand cubic feet, you've got a lot of money to be able to spend to go do actual, you know, oil exploration and find new oil or revamp old wells and refit them or basically redrill them for a uh, horizontal spread rather than just a uh, straight vertical, right? And it doesn't matter. I, I, I get it. There's people out there that are like, oh my God, fracking. Yeah, I know. I get it. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm just, I'm just giving you the facts. Without that money, there's not going to be a whole lot of oil exploration. We've depleted our strategic petroleum reserves down to damn near nothing. It's never been this low. And here comes natural gas traders trading this shit down, shorting it and shorting it and shorting it and shorting it to the floor to the point where all that excess revenue that would have been driven into, you know, most of it would have probably gone into exploration. Well, not most of it, but a good part of it, enough of it to do exploration. And now that's not there. So how does this affect the future of oil prices? They're going to go up. I don't, I don't have a price prediction. I've heard 200 bucks a barrel on Brent North Sea. And here's what I believe about it. It's possible. It is not outside the realm of possibility that we could see $7 gas in Texas, okay? In Texas, $8 gas in Texas. What that would be on the West Coast would be like, that would translate to like 12, 13 bucks a gallon. I'm just saying. I think there's chicanery going on in the natural gas market. I think it's been happening for a while. I think it was also happening on the on the great upswings to ten, eleven dollars a thousand, but coming down this crashing it down this low, uh, I don't think it should have stayed that high. But I don't think it should also be this low either. I'm just saying I, I worry about the price of of gasoline in the future because of this shit. And speaking of gasoline, it has for right now dropped almost two points to two dollars and fifty nine cents a gallon. Metals, meh. Gold's up a quarter point to 1940 and 90 cents. Silver is up 0.6% to 2389 and platinum down 1.76. Copper is sideways and palladium is down two and a half points. What do we got for ag? Everything's up. Oh, gee, really? Wheat, 1.26% to the upside, but the biggest winner is coffee at 1.72% to the upside. Only loser today is rice, which is down a third of a point. Dow down 0.6. S&P down 0.85%. NASDAQ down 1.39%. And the S&P mini is down uh, 0.48. I'm assuming that all has something to do with the fact that Canada... 
uh, raised their uh, interest rates and then signaled some other stuff. We'll, we'll get into that one in a story later. But uh, real money is at $22,602. And why did BitInfo charts decide to reframe my shit? I don't care about ETH. I don't care about XRP, Litecoin, or that idiot BCH. We're just doing BTC. So $22,602.03. We've had 340,000 BTC sent across the wires over the last 24 hours. Uh, 1.12 BTC is the average transaction value, while the median transaction value quite a bit less at 0.017 BTC, 378 bucks. Block times are very low, 8 minutes and 50 seconds. 0.09 0.09 BTC taken in fees on a per block basis, 14.84 BTC taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. However, there's a 4.3% drop in hash rate bringing us down to the pittance of 269.37 exahashes per second, which is, if you don't get the joke, that's a lot of security for the Bitcoin network. Now, uh, shitcoin's not doing, eh, well, everything's pretty much kind of, you know, going a little bit down today. Uh, Dogecoin, your shitcoin indicator is 8.4 United States pennies. There are 400, no, 4,243 transactions waiting on two blocks to clear. We've got a $434.9 billion market cap, which is just touching three and a half percent of gold's entire market cap. But we can only get 11.8 ounces of shiny metal rock with our one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,272,140.56 of, and 5,255.2 of those are in the Lightning Network, valued at $118.6 million. Being run over 16,024 nodes, sporting 75,858 payment channels, and 68.3% of all that shit's being run over Tor. That's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the news that you can use. I mentioned Canada and interest rates. Here's the news from... Coindesk, and it is entitled Bank of Canada Signals Pause to Rate Hike Cycle. I call bullshit. Stephen Alfer is writing this one for Coindesk.com. The Bank of Canada, as expected, did boost its benchmark overnight rate by 25 basis points to reach 4.5% on Wednesday morning, but somewhat surprisingly said it's going to at least temporarily pause any future interest rate increases. Quote, Inflation is projected to come down significantly this year. Bullshit, said the BOC in its policy statement. Quote, if economic developments evolve broadly in line with the bank's outlook, governing council expects to hold the policy rate at its current level while it assesses the impact of the cumulative interest rate increases. End quote. Down for the day alongside a broad sell-off in risk assets, Bitcoin showed little reaction to the BOC's dovish statement, but it's a potentially bullish development. Like the United States Federal Reserve, the BOC in 2022 embarked on a series of aggressive rate hikes to try and cool speedy inflation. This sharply tighter—do that again. 
This sharply tighter monetary policy by the Fed, BOC, and other Western central banks was an important factor in the brutal bear market for Bitcoin last year that saw the price decline from just shy of $50,000 to nearly $15,000 before closing 2022 at $16,500. The Fed's Federal Open Market Committee meets next week and, like the BOC, is widely expected to hike rates by a mere 25 basis points versus 50 basis points at the various uh, previous meetings and 75 prior to that. Should the FOMAC surprise by also signaling its intent to pause its rate hike regimen, that news would be far less likely to be ignored by the crypto markets. Bitcoin is currently trading at 22500 down from about 23000 late Tuesday afternoon. The Nasdaq is lower by 2.1%, S&P by one5 or at least at the time that they wrote this shit. Um, okay, there's a couple of things here that we can gloss over if we're not careful. One is the fact that the Bank of Canada is somehow acting, their, you know, their central bank is acting somehow independently. They are not. They're not. This is all a global push. This is all by design. It's been by design. Yes. Am I wearing the tinfoil hat? Okay, fine. I don't care anymore. I just don't care. Almost every conspiracy theorist, no matter how nutty they've appeared over the last 25 years, are proving to be more correct than Nobel laureate, economists, historians, scientists, you name it. It's just one after another after another. So if you think that the Bank of Canada is doing this all by their lonesome, you're crazy. Second, that line about all the Western central banks doing this, what did I say yesterday? We are collapsing and we are building and making smaller our own presence in the world. All of the West is doing this. Other central banks aren't. Outside of the West, it's a different landscape, isn't it? It is. It's a different landscape. It looks completely different than what's going on from the fiscal policy regulatory body that we have in the West versus the rest of the world. And the West is shrinking. We're, we're, our power projection is becoming almost feeble. And that includes militarily as well, but that's the least amount of, of decline, okay? Mil, our military is still top-notch. I wouldn't want to go up against the United States military. Why? Because I'd be vaporized. Be that as it may, our sanctions are starting to become wobbly at best. No, there's so many more countries are just not listening to us. You know, we used to be able to tell China that they couldn't talk to Iran. Well, guess who's talking to Iran? Them and Russia. We used to be able to tell Iran what to do. We're not really, you know, they, they don't seem to be listening to us anymore. And short of dropping bombs on their ass, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to ever get their attention back because we've burned every single bit of goodwill that we could have possibly have attained over the past decade, probably two. 
Actually, you know it's more than that, but we really cranked up the furnace on that son of a bitch over the last five years. Our influence is decreasing. I actually kind of, it's not that I think that that's good. It's kind of bad. It's I'm more on the, oh, that's kind of a bad thing. But only because I just want to make sure that no matter what yahoos I have to deal with or my children or grandchildren or great-grandchildren have to deal with in the future, that they are not fucking psychopaths. That's all I ask. Is it so hard to have a group of people be able to coordinate the activities of larger groups of people that are not sociopathic and psychopathic and hysterics? It is... I guess I am asking too much, but I'm just saying that line about all the Western central banks doing this kind of reminded me that, oh shit, we're not hearing a lot about what's going on with other central banks outside of the West. It is a different landscape out there. We're trapped. Understand that. Now, uh, Bitcoin Jesus is getting sued and not by Craig Wright. No, Roger Ver is getting sued by Genesis for $20 million over unsettled crypto options trades. Oh, joy. Ezra Reguera, Cointelegraph. Tell me more about Roger Ver. Bitcoin Cash advocate Roger Ver has sued, been sued by a unit of crypto lending firm Genesis over unsettled crypto options amounting to $20.8 million U.S., GGC International, a part of the bankrupt crypto lender, filed the suit against Ver in the New York State Supreme Court on January the 23rd, claiming that the BCH proponent has failed to settle crypto options transactions that expired back on December the 30th. Ver was given a total of 20 days to answer the summons. Should the BCH advocate fail to answer within that time frame, he will be obliged to pay the total amount by default. At the time of writing, the BCH proponent has not yet responded to the case. The Genesis website states that GGC International is a company based in the British Virgin Islands. The firm is owned by Genesis Bermuda Holdco Limited under Genesis Global Holdco, an entity included in the bankruptcy filing. Bermuda. Bermuda. Who else is from Bermuda? Yeah, you, you chew on that one. Roger Ver has not responded to Cointelegraph's request for comment at the time of writing. Last year, Ver also made headlines for allegations of defaulting on a debt. CoinFlex CEO Mark Lamb claimed that Ver owes the firm $47 million USD coin, $47 million worth of USD coin, which is essentially $47 million USD, and was bound by a written contract. On June 28th, Ver also denied these claims without directly mentioning the company. On January the 20th, the crypto lender filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in the Southern District of New York. The firm began a court-supervised restructuring to move the business forward. The process will be led by... Blah, 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 blah. Maybe we'll get back, back, get back to Ver. I think that's it. I think that's it for the Ver stuff. So, yeah, it is the end of, uh, the, end of the thing for the Ver stuff. But, so Genesis, in the death throes... See, this is why you don't want to get anywhere close to this shit. This is why you don't want to be exposed to contagion. Because when the dying animal starts flailing about and you're anywhere close to it, yeah, you're going to get clawed. Whether that thing is dead, dying, has no hope of resurrection, is going straight to hell, do not pass go, do not collect $200, you are still going to get scarred for life. This is why I don't use leverage. 
This is why I don't trade. So I don't need leverage, right? I don't loan my Bitcoin. I don't do any of that shit. What do I do? I buy Bitcoin. I hold Bitcoin and then I buy more Bitcoin. That's what I do. I do it every week. It's DCA. Okay. So Will Ver, what's going on with Roger Ver? There's speculation all over the place, right? That he lost his ass on BCH, which he definitely did, but you know, people are speculating that he's gone just totally bankrupt, that he's lost like all of his money. I don't I don't quite believe that. Ver may be a distasteful person, but he's not. Well, he's stupid in some ways. He's stupid in way he's stupid in the ways that humans are generally stupid. It's the ego filters that we use to look at fact. And that filters out actual stupidity you know, great big swaths of real facts. Ver's like anybody else. He's a smart man, but he's got a huge ego. And he's also probably a sociopath, but be that as it may. Will he respond? Will, you know, how much does he stand to lose? Can he lose $20 million? I don't, you know, nobody really knows because Ver's not really in, in the picture anymore. He basically exited with his BCH fork and then he got really exited when BCH split off to uh, form BSV and enabled Craig Wright to go sue every one of our friends. Well, not everyone, but you know, you know, enough of them. And that was directly, uh, he was directly enabled by Roger Ver and Roger Ver's hubris, right? So two things, don't get too big for your britches. Don't get an ego, stay humble, stack sats, and don't be like Roger Ver. Don't enable the worst sort of people to float to the surface like a turd that will not flush. Speaking of a turd that will not flush, Celsius hints at a new token launch as part of its restructuring plan. Andrew Asmakov tells us this laughable story from decrypt.co. There may be a new Celsius token on the horizon. Oh, thank God. I didn't think I didn't think there was anybody left to actually give them money, but I guess there is. As part of the defunct crypto lenders reorganization plans, Celsius is mulling the issuance of a new crypto token that would let the firm raise funds and repay its creditors per a Bloomberg report. In a court hearing on Tuesday, Celsius's attorney Ross M. Katzwanden, however you pronounce it, told U.S. bankruptcy judge Martin Glenn that a properly licensed and publicly traded company, such as a revived Celsius, yeah, you spelt fucking resurrected wrong, would be able to raise more money for creditors as opposed to simply selling its limited assets at today's prices. According to Katzwanden, Offers for Celsius's individual assets have not been compelling. Oh, okay, but you're compelling enough to get people to give you just fresh money for nothing, right? The necromancy in this space needs to end as well. The reorganization plan has reportedly been brought up for a discussion with Celsius's creditor groups and will be voted on, although the vote would not be binding for the court when making the decision. The lender's plans aren't the first to introduce a new token to, uh, to evade financial troubles either. Previous examples of crypto companies issuing tokens including, included Bitcoin exchange Bitfinex, which launched the LEO token in 2019 to cover losses from its dealings with Panama-based crypto capital. Elsewhere, 
Poolin, a Beijing-based Bitcoin mining pool, halted withdrawals last September and addressed the matter by issuing IOU token, which literally stands for IOU, and it's a debt token. It's a fucking zombie token is what it is. Should the court greenlight Celsius's reorganization plan, the new company's assets would include a portfolio of loans and other investments. Are you crying yet? As well as Bitcoin mining machines operated by Celsius, according to name is the Celsius attorney added that court filings detailed the proposed plan will be published later this week. Decrypt has reached out for additional comments. Blah, blah, blah. The embattled crypto lender, which allowed users to earn returns on their digital assets, filed for bankruptcy protection in July of last year, revealing a two, no, a $1.2 billion hole in its Binance balance sheet. <laughs> Binance sheet. Freudian slip. Apart from facing creditors' claims and accusations of running a Ponzi scheme, <coughs> Celsius also found itself dragged into a dispute with Bitcoin mining company Core Scientific which itself went bust in December after it stopped covering its share of electricity bills. Earlier in January, the two bankrupt companies reached an agreement to shut off 37,000 Celsius mining rigs that Core claimed cost the firm as much as $53,000 a day. Former Celsius CEO Alex Mashinsky was also sued this month by New York Attorney General Letitia James, who argues that Mashinsky, quote, promised to lead investors to financial freedom, freedom but led them down a path to financial ruin. All right, so I've mentioned it before. This is necromancy. This is financial necromancy. And the thing about the laws of physics, one of, one of the laws, I talked about one yesterday, one of the laws is that you don't get something for nothing. You just don't. There ain't no such thing as a free lunch. We should just do that one. But this is like, if you're going to, if you need to generate energy, then you need to have some kind of energy input because all you're doing is translating one form of energy to another, right? I can't just use a barrel of oil all by itself, maybe for lubrication, but because it's so flammable, it's very, very dangerous to do that. So that's not even really usable. I can't use it as direct fertilizer. No, no, I have to convert the various forms and types of energies in that barrel of oil to fertilizer, gasoline, diesel, what have you. And then those things can go do work. Well, this is the way the whole universe works. If these guys just issue a token, that in and of itself does not get Celsius out of all the hot water they find themselves boiling in like the proverbial frog, right? No, that token has to gain value. And how do you do that? You sell the token on the open market to rubes who have already been taken to the bank five times before and somehow or another still have lunch money left and gives it to Celsius to buy this debt token. That my friends, is called financial necromancy. And what is it that we know about necromancy from Dungeons and Dragons, various fantasy movies? It's bad. It's a bad deal. You don't want zombies walking around, man. They have this tendency to eat people's brains and shit like that. There is no good that can come from this. There is no good that will come from any resurrection of FTX 
or Alameda Research. And there's, there is suggestion on the street about doing that shit too. Don't fall for it. And don't, for God's sakes, I know you guys aren't going to. Go out, spread the message, make sure your friends are safe. Make sure that they understand. You might have a friend that somehow or another has completely forgotten about Celsius. Before the FTX debacle, you know, this was all Terra Luna, Celsius. That part of the ecosystem fell first and then FTX was the second part. And now we're looking at Silvergate and, you know, Barry Silbert's outfit, G, uh, uh, GBTC and all that shit. That's the second part, the real second part of the storm. But Celsius came before FTX failed. But FTX took the spotlight, right? So we're not talking about, and we may have very well forgotten much about Celsius. And if you're a normie, you may not even remember that Celsius was a thing in the news because of the way the news manipulates your mind. So this is how financial necromancy works. You make sure people forgot about this bullshit and then you get them to issue a new token and then people go, wow, I'm going to make 5,000 X. I'm going to be rich, bitch, and I'm going to Lambo out and laugh at your ass on the way out. And that's not what's going to happen. You're going to get taken to the bank again by a company that's already done it once. Make sure your friends are safe. Because, you know, this shit is happening all around us. Nifty Gateway co-founders resign amid Gemini woes. I don't talk about NFTs as a rule, but when they're going down the tubes because of contagion, I will talk about them. And so does Yi Wan Sun from Cointelegraph. In a Twitter thread posted on January the 25th, Duncan Cock Foster and Griffin Cock Foster, do they have to use their middle name? Co-founders of non-fungible token auction platform Nifty Gateway announced their resignations effective immediately. We're out, bitch. In supporting the decision, Duncan said they were leaving because, quote, Griffin and I are founders at heart and we want to start another scam. Uh, I mean, company, quote, when Jim and I acquired NG, Nifty Gateway, in 2019, Griffin and I said if everything went amazing and we loved it, we would stay for four years before starting another scam. I mean company. We ended up staying the maximum amount of time we originally thought possible, which shows how great this experience was. Bullshit. The move comes amid a legal battle between Nifty Gateway's parent company, Gemini, and bankrupt cryptocurrency lender Genesis Global. Gemini alleges that the latter owes its users $900 million as part of its Gemini Earn program after Genesis Global halted withdrawals due to unprecedented market conditions in November of 2020. I think they actually, uh, I think November of 2022 is what they're saying. Uh, somebody fact check me on that. Nifty Gateway was founded in 2018 and acquired by Gemini in 2019. Despite tough business conditions at the parent company, Duncan said they've been pr uh, preparing for the transition for months. He said, Nifty Gateway is in good hands. He wrote, Cameron Winklevoss and Tyler Winklevoss, a.k.a. the Winklevi, are visionaries who saw the potential in NFTs well before almost anyone else. Under their leadership, Nifty Gateway will continue to thrive. As part of the transition, Eddie Ma will take over as technical leader for Nifty Gateway, while Tara Harris will step in as leader for non-tech. Quote, 
We know that transitions can create uncertainty around the future. To that end, in the coming weeks, we will publicly outline a roadmap and a plan for the future of Nifty. After we depart, we will stay connected to the mission in an advisory role to ensure continuity. Yeah, to ensure that your scam continues. Do not, do not, do not yourself or let your friends buy NFTs, especially at this point. Sure, there was a time I could have done it, but ethically I found it repugnant. So that's why I didn't get in on NFTs or ICOs or altcoins or anything like that. After I initially entered the Bitcoin system, yes, I bought Litecoin, I had Ether, I had Dogecoin, I had a couple of other ones. I've picked up some, I oh, I don't know, not Monero, something else along the way because all these airdrops that were happening in 2018, 2019, you couldn't get away from it, right? Hell, I even had BCH because it was airdropped. And if I hadn't have sold it when I did, I would have also ended up holding a fucking bag of BSV. <clears throat> this, this. Stay away from this stuff. You buy Bitcoin, you hold Bitcoin, you buy more Bitcoin. BlockFi creditor, the BlockFi creditor committee advisor reveals a $1.2 billion exposure to FTX as well as Alameda Research. Andrew Asmakov, the last one from Decrypt.co. The now bankrupt crypto lending firm BlockFi has reportedly more than a $1.2 billion in assets linked to FTX and Alameda Research, the two companies founded by the fallen crypto mogul. Oh, they're calling him a mogul now, Sam Bankman-Fried. This is according to unredacted filings assembled and uploaded by M3 Partners, an advisor to BlockFi's creditor committee, CNBC reported on Tuesday. Per the financial presentation, as of January the 14th, BlockFi had $415.9 million worth of assets tied up with FTX and 831.3 to its sister company, Alameda. M3 Partners did not immediately respond to Decrypt's request for comment. A BlockFi spokesperson told Decrypt that BlockFi has disclosed accurate information to the courts as part of the Statement of Financial Affairs, which was filed on January the 12th, 2023. Throughout the Chapter 11 process, BlockFi has prioritized transparency and stating that these numbers are secret financials uh, is inaccurate. BlockFi, which led uh, let users earn yield for cryptocurrency deposits, halted withdrawals on November the 11th, the very same day FTX filed for bankruptcy. The crypto lender's anticipated bankruptcy was officially announced on November the 28th, with the firm revealing during the first day of court hearings that it had $355 million in funds frozen on FTX and $671 million on a defaulted loan to Alameda, or a total of $1.026 billion. Now the latest financial show this figure is $1.247 billion. That's a hell of a, that's a, hell of a mistake. That's what, the, that's what we're getting at here. They didn't represent accurately how much money they had on their balance sheet that was held by FTX and Alameda to the tune of $200 million. Actually, 200, uh, 200, let's say $250 million. No, we don't know where $250 million went. 
No, no, it's not there. And now, oh, well, okay, now it's $1.2 billion. A lawyer for the creditor committee reportedly confirmed that the unredacted filing was uploaded by mistake, declining to comment further. The presentation also revealed that the value of both the Alameda loan receivable, i.e. the funds the company has lent that have not yet been repaid, and the FTX-linked assets have been adjusted to zero. Zero. The complicated relationship between BlockFi and FTX also included $400 million of a line of credit the crypto lender received from the exchange in July of 2022. The report added that after all adjustments, BlockFi now has under $1.3 billion in assets with only $668.8 million of which being described as liquid or to be distributed. These include $302.1 million in cash and $366.7 million in quote-unquote crypto assets. Probably Shiba Inu or whatever. Jesus. Shiba Inu. What I... Some shit, probably some shit coin. It also follows an earlier report by Bloomberg claiming that as part of its bankruptcy proceedings, BlockFi is going to sell $160 million in loans backed by nearly 68,000 Bitcoin mining rigs. Yeah. Gonna sell the rigs because they don't have any Bitcoin because that's how they got in trouble in the first place. Um, this is another, BlockFi is another corpse that is right for the financial necromancer to come along and resurrect it into a zombie. Wait and see. No, just wait. Why? Why deal with these these guys? Brand recognition, I guess. I don't know, but that flies in the face of what I was saying about Celsius that we all forgot about. I almost completely forgot about Celsius. And I, and I, I do the news. That's what I do. And I almost completely forgot about Celsius. I'm, I'm doing well to keep Terra Luna on the tip of my tongue to remind people not to get into this crap. And it's hard. The macro environment of the world alone is distressing enough to make you forget about all manner of shit. Compound onto that, being in the quote-unquote cryptocurrency world, it's almost impossible to remember what the hell happened 15 minutes ago. Right? This is hard. This is hard. This is harder. This is harder work than people think it is. Because you got to remember all this shit. And all this stuff is flying around. Anyway, anyway, so um, yeah, BlockFi is next on the list for financial necromancy. Just, you know, mark it down. See if I'm right. If I'm wrong, make sure that you give me a 10,000 Satoshi Boostergram to tell me about how wrong I was. I mean, if, you know, if I'm going to be wrong, I might as well monetize it. All right, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. We need a joke. Dad says jokes. I took my eight-year-old daughter to the office on, you know, take your kid to work day. But when we walked in the office, she started to cry. As concerned staff gathered around, I asked her what was wrong, and she said, Daddy, where are all the clowns you said you work with? <laughs> Out of the mouth of babes, but it's 100% correct when it comes to the cryptocurrency industry. These people are clowns. But they are the most vile, evil, psychopathic, sociopathic clowns 
that you will deal with outside of any federal government in the world. These guys are almost as bad, but they're just not experienced enough at being the sociopathic pieces of crap that they really are. And I know that's all negative and stuff, but these are facts. You can't trust almost 99.9% of the people in this space. Now I used to say 99.9% of crypto is bullshit. Yeah, so are its people. I've got no, I've just, I'm sorry, but I have no patience for this crap any longer. I bitched out somebody on Nostra the other day for being a shit coiner and somebody replied, whoa, you might want to hold on there. And I'm like, nope, no, I don't. Nope. I, I'm done. I'm done. If you're listening to this and you uh, are like, oh, well, Ether's better. Fuck you. Sorry. That's the way it is. If you're somebody that, listens to, that has listened to this podcast or listening right now and you think Dogecoin is awesome, go to hell. I'm done with you. Stop listening to this show. If you are a shit coiner, get out. I'm done with you. And I don't understand why you don't get it yet. That's why I'm done with you. It's not essentially because you shitcoin. It's because you shitcoin. That doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah, it does. It's not that you have shitcoins. It's that you haven't gotten rid of them yet and gotten Bitcoin. Because you still hold out some kind of degree of hope that your one bag is the bag that'll 5,000x. That's not the way this works. Not anymore. You're either in this one for the long haul or you need to go back into fiat land and live out the rest of your days there because you do not fit here. You just don't. Why do I say that? Because Bitcoin is ejecting. It's an allergic reaction that Bitcoin has been having for, well, since its inception or at least since the first altcoin came out. But that allergic reaction is getting worse and worse and worse as more allergens and toxins and pollen and dust and dirt and grime and really stuff that just doesn't matter gets ejected from Bitcoin's immune system or as the immune system destroys it. And it's going to destroy more and more and more. And and now, now we've got zombie allergens that are going to come out of the woodwork. Well, guess what? Bitcoin's going to react just the same. And if you have any exposure to it whatsoever, you're going to lose your money. And I don't want you to lose your money. So either get Bitcoin or get out. You don't belong here and you will end up getting chewed up by the machine And I don't really want to see that happen. What I really want is to see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.